Welcome to Talkin' SEC. Writer, photographer, and producer Philip Jordan discusses the latest news and breaks down the biggest games with the best analyst around. Now, from Southeast Alabama, a state that knows its sports, here is Philip Jordan. Welcome everybody to Talking SEC. I am your host, Philip Jordan, from Last Word on College Football and 96.9 The Legend in Dothan, Alabama, where I'm the in-studio host and producer for Dothan Wills Football. Everybody, my first guest today is Adam Spencer. He is over at Saturday Down South. And uh, Adam, I do appreciate you taking the time out and coming on the podcast today. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Good to be yeah. here. Yeah, it's great, uh, great to have you on. Uh, I told you this off air. If the audience hears some some thundering in the background, and some Monday night, some bad weather down here coming off the Gulf in the Southeast Alabama area, but yeah, um, uh, like I said, glad to have you on. And uh, we're getting closer. Uh, hopefully, fingers crossed to a college football season, and uh, particularly with the SEC on September twenty sixth when they get kicked off at uh as we are talking here on a monday evening the ap poll came out uh today and i just wanted to kind of talk to you for a few minutes about that before we jump to the sec schedule uh there are some teams that are not playing big 10 and pac 12 schools in there uh were you shocked or interested that they put those teams in there um at first i was a little confused as to why they would even you know go through that exercise to put them in there but then I saw it explained as when games actually start they're going to eliminate the teams that aren't playing and just sort of give you the big 12 ACC SEC teams and then you know obviously the AAC Conference USA those Sunbelt um, but yeah so when explained that way I do kind of like that these teams are in here right now so we can see that Ohio State would have been ranked number two if they were playing Penn State number seven, Oregon number nine. You know, that's that's interesting to me. So I do – I'm okay with the way that that uh, was released as long as, like they have said, once you get into the season, you drop those teams and just, like, tell us who the 25 best teams are that are currently playing. Yeah, so SEC fans don't have to worry about Ohio State being ranked ahead of their schools too much longer to be out of the Big Ten. <laughs> but uh, I, I was exactly. Yeah, hey, we know how that goes. SEC Big Ten is that's an, a constant rivalry going on all the time between the two conferences. Uh, I guess for me, SEC wise, kind of what shocked uh, LSU sitting there at number six over potentially Florida and Auburn. I mean, I know LSU's got a lot of talent on the roster, but they're replacing a lot of people from last year's team, a lot of inexperience and look the lack of spring. Also kind of wonders if this team may have some issues coming out the gate. Uh, with LSU or anything with the SEC teams where they replaced, was there anything in there that kind of um, surprised you there? Yeah, I think that you hit it on the head there. LSU being at number six seems to me to be like a little bit of a reward for just the historical, history that they made last year with that incredible season but you know when you look at this you know the offense that's coming back with that it's going to look completely different I mean sure they still have the Bolitnikov award winner and Jamar Chase coming back and I really like Terrace Marshall Jr. too but outside of those two guys like this is going to be a completely new look offense basically and uh, just to put them at number six that just seems a little 
much I like what Florida has coming back a little bit better. So I, I think I would have at least had Florida above LSU, maybe even Notre Dame. I don't know that I would have had Auburn ranked above LSU. So I do think, you know, somewhere in the eight to 10 range would have been right for them. But I'm also okay with, again, them being rewarded for that season that they had last year, just because by the time this is just a preseason exercise yeah. anyway. So by the time this gets all sorted out, you know, we'll, we'll quickly find out if they're deserving of that number six seed or, or if they were a little bit overrated. So I'm not too worried about it. Yeah, of course. It gives us something to talk about, you know, as we, you know, go and uh, go as the season starts. I will say this one that did bother me. And this is, I really need to get this as a sponsor segment because I, I, see, I feel like each week I take a shot or criticize or don't buy in the hype of the Tennessee Volunteers. And I saw them at 25. <laughs> I am of the mind that I think Kentucky is going to be better than them. And I look at Tennessee as they, yes, they had a great finish to last year. They did, a, you know, Jeremy Pruitt did a fantastic job with the team last year. I'm not going to take anything away from what they did toward the end of the year. But in the, in the day, they do have a lot of momentum off not beating very good teams at the same time. And I see Kentucky, what they've got coming back. I'm, you know, more of a liking that I like Kentucky more than Tennessee. Uh, where, where are you standing on the Tennessee Volunteers as we go into the season? So I, I agree with the second half of what you said. I So I agree that Kentucky is really good, and I am pretty surprised to see Kentucky just down there. And, like, they're not even really that high in the others receiving votes category. They only got, like, 20 votes, so that puts them below Appalachian State, Washington. You know, that's that's crazy to me. But yeah. I also do I also do like Tennessee, and I, and I don't have a problem with them being at 25. In fact, I think that's probably a pretty good spot for them. Um, but I would have Kentucky above them, I guess. So that's that's where I stand on it. You know, Kentucky way too low. Tennessee probably appropriately rated, at least in, in my mind, just based on how much they have coming back too. They just, they basically need to replace a couple of receivers, which isn't going to be easy, but they have a lot of their top guys coming back. So that's going to be interesting to see. And I do like the job that Jeremy Pruitt has done turning that program around after that couple of embarrassing losses earlier last season. So I do think that they're going to hang around in the 20s for most of the year. Uh, they'll probably jump higher once you get all the Big Ten and Pac-12 teams out of there. But, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I agree. Kentucky's really underrated. That's the main takeaway there, I guess, that we can both agree on. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I'm just not making any fans with uh, would fall Twitter. So I'll, I'll probably don't have a high listenership in uh, in Knoxville <laughs> if I keep on uh, doing what I do every week with Tennessee. I guess I just got burned too many times with Butch Jones. That's so kind of it's, it's ingrained in my mind trying to get excited uh, buying into when Tennessee is supposed to be really good. But I hope to do. The conference is better when Tennessee is one of the top teams over there in the East along with Florida and Georgia. So – now we're looking yes, at we this. love we love you Vol Twitter. We we are not saying anything bad about Vol Twitter. Leave us alone. <laughs> they they are an aggressive group. Um, I've they get what they that. want. They they know what they want on Twitter, and they are not afraid to go after it. So I'll give them that. Yeah, it's it's like if you ask somebody who's not familiar with Twitter, they will. Or sometimes I've had actually brought that up to people, and they said, "Oh yeah, Alabama or Florida, or they got to be the most you know hostile, not hostile, aggressive group on Twitter." And I said, "No, it is the Tennessee fans. They are the ones you better watch out for." <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, when you look at the SEC schedule, of course they introduced the schedule last week uh, the week one on Feinbaum then they did the rest of it at 6 o'clock central time 
overall on the schedule, I mean, obviously week one, uh, let's face it, is not the sexiest group of games. Uh, Auburn, Kentucky is interesting. I think Tennessee and South Carolina is interesting. Uh, but overall, when you look at the way the SEC did the schedule, uh, what were some of your biggest takeaways? Um, I, you know, I think that they did what the other conferences were trying to do by protecting their top teams a little bit. I mean, you see, you see it with Alabama adding Missouri to the schedule and, uh, you know, Kentucky's a tough game, but the game's in Tuscaloosa. So Alabama shouldn't have too many problems there. So, and they get to start, you know, as a Mizzou grad, you know, welcoming in, uh, Alabama in week one when we weren't even supposed to play them this year is a little bit of a kick in the pants, but, uh, but you know, the new coach seems up to the challenge and I like everything that Eli Drinkwitz is doing. Like he's really made a big fan out of me. So we'll see. I'm, I'm hoping to just not get blown out too bad in that game. Um, and then another game that I saw in week one that you mentioned, uh, week one not being the sexiest slate of games, but I like that. I, I want to keep an eye on that Ole Miss Florida game because mm-hmm. I think there could be a little bit of an upset potential there. And Florida is now looking a little bit better now that the four, they had three wide receivers and then uh, a defensive lineman who weren't at practice for a little bit. And there were some rumors about them potentially opting out. But as of right now, I think all four of them are planning to play, which is huge for them because if those three receivers didn't play, they'd have Kyle Pitts. And then like their next leading receiver was a guy who had like 27 receiving yards last year or something like that. So, you know, just getting those guys back in the mix, that makes that game uh, maybe a little less interesting because I do think that Florida is the better team, but you never, you never know for sure, especially in Oxford, that's going to be a tough game for Dan Mullen to start out with there. Yeah. And you just got to think that, you know, all the weeks leading up to that game, Lane Kiffin's going to have something up his sleeve, something special for that one as well. Yeah, I think uh, I think he's gonna continue his his talking. He uh, he told Feinbaum to quit with the rat poison the other day, but I think he likes you know taking shots like that, playful shots like that at, at the rest of the SEC. And uh, we'll see if we'll see if Dan Mullins up for the the war of words that's gonna happen going into that game. Yeah, I, I am glad Lane Kiffin is back in this conference, and I cannot wait until Alabama week. That is going to be interesting. But then I say that, watch Lane Kiffin won't even say anything for, you know, anything uh, entertaining like you would hope he would say the week of Alabama going up against Nick Saban. Uh, and, of course, Mississippi yeah, State, right. too, the Egg Bowl. The Egg Bowl week will be interesting uh, just to lead up. If Leach and Kiffin are doing interviews, those are going to be must-see television. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that we really lucked out having both of them end up in the state of Mississippi. That's going to be like that rivalry was already I know it doesn't do much on the national stage, but anybody who's an SEC fan knows just just how far or just how passionate those fan bases are and just how far they'll go to uh, rep their teams. So, yeah, I, I really I really enjoy having them both there and I think that that Egg Bowl game is going to be an all-timer this year and you know saying that after last year's game was already an all-timer I think it's just going to be even better moving forward oh yeah absolutely that that is you're right that is one of the most underrated rivalries in college football that does not get a lot of national attention because like you said uh, maybe both teams you know 
they have their years, but they're not national title contenders often. But yeah, those two, and I do like that they do go back on Thursday night. I think that helps with the national side of things. That maybe you know more people can notice how how big that rivalry is, especially in that state. Because look, I live in Alabama. The Iron Bowl is a big deal, but just from reading and kind of being an SEC fan in the state of Mississippi, that game means just as much as the Iron Bowl does here. So uh, that those two being there is is going to be fun. Uh, I, I was looking you know, just looking at individual team schedules uh, when. Before everything got thrown up, you know, and SEC went conference only, when I was looking at the SEC East, I looked at Florida, and I said their schedule was really manageable because, yeah, they had to play LSU. That's early midseason, and then Georgia. Georgia may have been the only game they were underdogging, and they should be favorite in everything else. But now with Florida's schedule, yeah, you still have the LSU game on the 17th. you got Georgia and Jacksonville on the 7th. But then you add in Texas A&M. So now I feel like with Florida, while they had a little bit of room for error in their schedule to overtake Georgia for the SEC East, I think now it's kind of a little bit uh, tougher for them now going forward. Yeah, I definitely think that's the case. But I think that you could make that true for everyone i guess florida did get you know a tough a little bit of a tough break with adding a&m there especially since they have to go to college station that's for sure but you know you look at georgia's schedule you look at you know it's just it's just playing in the sec that's Mm -hmm. just what it is and when you have 10 games they're always going to be hard and if you're one of the top teams well you know hey you're going to have to add some like you're going to get to add some lower tier teams generally and uh, you know we saw Alabama did that Georgia did that so you know they're 10 games you know it's going to be brutal I would be surprised I think it's possible that that Alabama goes undefeated in the regular season I think it's possible you know if Florida is really up to the task I think that they could go undefeated too if they beat Georgia in Jacksonville. If Georgia maybe takes a step back, but you know it's going to be really hard to do that. It's not like Clemson's schedule in the ACC there, where it's like, well, I don't know. If they don't go undefeated, then you know maybe they shouldn't. I mean, they probably would even with one loss. But if they don't go undefeated, you know there there'll be talk about how they maybe don't belong in the college football playoffs. So i just don't think that's going to be the case this year with the sec one loss is certainly not going to be anything to scoff at on any of these top team schedules so that's that's what i'm excited for there's a little more leeway in that sort of thing and the quality of the games is just going to be so much better yeah it's almost going to be like nfl like week in and week out for these teams if there's no interruptions during Mm -hmm. the season because it's you know every week you're you're playing against high level competition and, and look, my favorite thing about this schedule, and I've always hated this with the SEC, and look, and, and I'll admit I'm, I'm biased toward the conference, but that week before rivalry week, when you've got the FCS, FCS opponents, the lesser group of five, no disrespect to those programs, but leading into rivalry week, it almost feels like, okay, some of these teams are getting off week. There, there's no, other than your actual off week, there's, there's no off week in these schedules, so you're going to be on top of your game each and every week just about. Yeah, and I like that, you know, you mentioned the rivalry week. I like that they kept a lot of the rivalries in Thanksgiving weekend. I do. I know it's not the last game of the year, but like you said, if you don't have like a cupcake week before, then it doesn't really matter when you play. I know that they try to get 
like the cocktail party is off of a couple of bye weeks for Florida and Georgia. So I know that they try to schedule some of those big games around uh, off weeks. But yeah, I, I like that they're keeping it Thanksgiving week for some of the bigger games. And I think that that's only going to help the quality because it's just going to be exciting. It's going to feel like, uh, I mean, it's just really going to be something that we can all look forward to for Thanksgiving, even if it's not a normal Thanksgiving with traveling and gatherings and all that. So I I do appreciate that they did that for us for a sense of normalcy. Yeah, that that's something I, I noticed right away. Okay, when I saw the schedule came, I said, "Okay, where are the rivalry games?" That's you know that's what we look for in college football. I think that's what separates college football from the National Football League. That is the rivalries, the stakes in those in those big games. Of course, you know, it kind of shift over to what Auburn schedule looks like. And one, I just say this: uh, watching eleven this conference for as long as I have, seeing Georgia in October, that was supposed to be there. Uh, regardless it, with the original schedule that just looks weird i'm just gonna say uh seeing auburn georgia there and then alabama of course is there in november and i just looking at auburn schedule overall that you when you kick off with kentucky and at georgia that's that's two tough games to start off with especially you're breaking in new offense linemen a new defense line trying to find playmakers there a running back the auburn situation there with kentucky then going to georgia where they haven't won since 2005 and then you close that year with alabama and texas a&m so uh and then you got lsu in the middle so i look at auburn schedule honestly going into the year before uh this, this new schedule, I thought Auburn had a good chance to be number two, three in the SEC West. Now look at that schedule. I'm kind of backing off on that. I, I might Auburn could be looking at a couple losses here. Yeah, I think that that first game is going to be really important for them. You can't like it's going to set the tone for them either way. I think just you're at home. It's a it's a tough Kentucky team, as we've said, and you've got to try to get that win. That's that's their most important game of the year. I mean, I know that's kind of coach speak, you know, your next game is always your most important, but you got to set the tone in a year like this. And if they lose at home against Kentucky, that's not an embarrassing loss by any means, but it does sort of set the tone. And then I think that you're right, that number four in the SEC West becomes a real possibility if they drop that game, because going to Georgia that next week, if you're going there off of a loss and then you start out the year, zero and two, like that would be, that'd be brutal for them. And then, you know, Gus Malzahn's hot seat will heat up once again, like it always does. And uh, we'll have to go from there. But yeah, that, that Kentucky game is the game of the week in week one, in my opinion. Yeah. And I mean, and we talked about Kentucky off the top here when we talking about AP poll, I look at that team again with the three running backs coming back. I mean, them guys had 18 touchdowns, almost 2,000 yards among themselves. If you take Lynn Bowden out of that, they were still those three, the yardage they put up. You got Terry Wilson coming back. I know they've got probably got to find, figure out some stuff at receiver, but offense line is good. And with Mark Stoops, you know, that team defensively is going to be good. So with Auburn trying to figure some stuff out, that, you know, you're right. I mean, that is a game that Auburn's got to come in and be serious and really got to come out and make a statement because that is a Kentucky team that if you do not do that they can get you i mean that's that's interesting way coming out and then in a year a&m and i i was telling some people and get your thoughts on this the a&m game auburn coming out winning that one all the depends in my opinion what happens against alabama because if they lose to alabama you kind of wonder what will be their intensity or their where their emotions will be at going into texas a&m at the end of the year 
Yeah, and I think that, you know, there's always so many, there's been so much hype around Texas A&M in recent years, and if they're going to put it together, like, this has to be the year. You know, you have a senior quarterback in Kellen Mond, and you've got some talent on that roster. Everybody's expecting big things from Jimbo Fisher's team, but, you know, I I look at Texas A&M and Auburn, and I think one of those teams is going to be a disappointment, and that game could, you know, by the time, that game comes around on December 5th, we could know which team is the disappointment or they could be, you know, sitting there battling for second place in the SEC West. And who knows? I mean, cause the, I think the Aggies play LSU the week before that. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. that they're going to, they're going to probably have that two game stretch to end the season there to decide their finish in the SEC West. And it'll be, to see which of those three teams, LSU, Auburn, Texas A&M, which of those three has the best year and which which one or two end up as sort of disappointments because I, I do think that anything can happen with those three and we'll find out sort of early on in the season. And, of course, that week we'll be at the edge of our seats figuring out who's going to win the Alabama-Arkansas game to close out the year two as well. <laughs> of course. Yeah, there was some talk uh, conversation uh, with some Auburn. Uh, I've seen some Auburn fans on social media about that one, that Auburn gets to end it with A&M and Alabama gets to go to Arkansas to close it out. Uh, and lastly, the last thing I will say, and I think people listening to this may think I'm somewhat joking, but I'm, I kind of am, I kind of not. They seriously couldn't have Arkansas and Vanderbilt play each other, so we wouldn't have two o and potentially, I want to say potentially, two o and 10 teams in the conference. Yeah, I was. I thought that that would have been fun too, just to avoid that. If uh, I, I mean, I know uh, one of my colleagues here at SCS expects at least a couple wins from Arkansas. I don't know if I'm there yet, but uh, yeah, I, I just I think that I when I had gone through and just like looking at the schedule and was like, if they were going to play maybe like a nine game conference only schedule, I proposed like you know give Alabama, Florida, give us LSU, Georgia, give us. Uh, you know, Mizzou, Texas A&M, and the battle of old Big 12 rivals. But and then, you know, part of that was Arkansas-Vanderbilt, just, you know, because I do think that, that game would be fun in the way that that two teams that are both not great playing each other can sometimes be a lot of fun. So I thought that that would have been a good one to add. But, yeah, I, I don't know. It's It'll be interesting to see. I think some people expect Arkansas to at least win a game maybe even two this year. So we'll see. Yeah, I hope so. Like, and, and honestly, I mean, I joke about that. I hope maybe one of them happens. I don't ever want to see a team go 0-10 because that's just, that's just you know, especially you got seniors on the football team. You don't want to ever see them go out yeah. uh, that way. Uh, that's just mm, that's just horrible. So but I just was throwing that out there. Why didn't they schedule those two? <laughs> but anyway, it's going to be interesting with the schedule when the games do hit on September 26th and uh, Adam I do appreciate you coming on uh, this week's edition of the Phil Jordan Football Podcast uh, it's been great talking to you about the schedule in the AP poll but if the listeners out there wanted to uh, follow you online where can they find you and the work you're doing over at Saturday Down South yeah uh, my stuff's all over SaturdayDownSouth.com and uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Adam Spencer 4 so uh, those are the two main places where I do stuff online, so I'm here. All right, Adam, that sounds good. And once again, I do appreciate you taking the time out to come on the show, and I hope we can do this again sometime down the road. 
Yeah, sounds good. Thanks for having me on, and uh, stay safe with those storms in the area. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you for listening to Talkin' SEC. Follow Philip on social media at PJordanSEC and the show at Talkin' SEC Pod. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you next time when we're Talkin' SEC.